Back to laughing. (laughs) 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 Welcome to Affable Chat, the most evil podcast on the entire internet. (laughs) I, I am the evil mastermind. Benjamin, and I'm here with my equally evil and equally genius co-host, Joey. Hey. <laughs> what an evil greeting. <laughs> today. I'm trying to be evil. I don't know what evil sounds like. Today, <laughs> we're talking about Megamind. Our battles quickly got more elaborate. He would win some. I would almost win others. He took the name Metroman. Defender of Matrocity. I decided to pick something a little more humble. Megamind. Incredibly handsome criminal genius and master of all villainy. This is an A-list cast computers animated superhero comedy with a classic rock score. Directed by Tom McGrath who also directed Madagascar and Boss Baby. Have you seen either of those? What's your opinion on Madagascar? I haven't seen Madagascar since I was a kid, but I loved it as a kid. I thought it was so funny. It was like, yeah, yeah, and that's another one that has some big-time voice actors. Yeah, that's kind of like a thing, actually, is like big-time voice actors for animated movies. Like the Angry Birds movie was like totally stacked with with like a cast member. I don't know if it's any good. It doesn't look like it's any good, but got positive reviews. Anyway, the cast of this movie includes Feral Will, Sad Pitt, Liz Lemon, Tobias Funke, Officer Schmidt, and Terrence Fletcher. So we always do this bit where we have like actors provide their different roles, but Officer Schmidt, obviously that's Jonah Hill, or maybe not obvious, that's his role from 21 and 22 Jump Street, uh, but I couldn't think of a good one for him that's like notable like a, a act like a character where you're like oh that's definitely him you know what about I, uh super bad uh well i guess that maybe that's an exception because i don't i haven't seen super bad super bad's good what about uh this is Wait, the what's end, his name in super bad uh jonah hill is it <laughs> that's <laughs> no. the thing my, it's my argument is that jonah hill plays himself <laughs> in all these movies uh, he doesn't you know he obviously plays whatever character it is but he like you just remember that it was jonah hill Jonah Hill was in it, yeah. He's oh, in his freaking movie, like this he was in, like, filmography he was in, uh, is stacked. Yeah, no, he's huge. I mean, he's been in uh, Tarantino movies too. Yeah, no, he's just been in everything. But I just I can't think of one role where it's like, you know, if I were to say like Michael Scott is obviously like a, um, we're getting off topic here, but like it, it, <laughs> he, I couldn't pinpoint any characters that are more notable than just Jonah Hill himself. He's just. A, like one of those actors that's just an actor yeah i, I guess i can see that i like he never really quite disappears and like never quite disappears into a role sure. he's always kind of like like you can always tell it's jonah hill and it's like oh jonah hill's in this movie but i don't know he has different like uh he is kind of typecast he's kind of like the nerdy guy or like the awkward guy yeah you know? well or like the nerdy awkward guy who ends up like having bad tendencies because i feel like his character in 21 jump street is a little bit like Hal in this one where he was kind like is, the yeah. loser, but then he becomes like cool per se. Right. And then he like totally lets it go to his head. Right. Um, what about uh, um, Maniac on Netflix? Do you watch that? No. I, would, I watched the first couple episodes. It's pretty, pretty wild. But he's like, a, he's like very nervous and like anxious and like needs mental health help, I guess. 
Okay. That's like his. I guess. Character. Yeah. I guess. I, I'm, we're we're getting beyond my point here. I was just saying, like, I was surprised, despite being in so many like blockbuster films that everyone has seen. I feel like he still retains his identity as just being Jonah Hill. Well, he's never been like a leading man, really. Fair enough. I mean, so. he was a one of two leading men in Twenty One Twenty Two Jump Street, which is why we went first with Officer Schmidt. Uh, but let's move on. How how did you watch this movie, Joy? I watched it on YouTube. I watched this, I pulled it right off of my shelf from my private collection, because I have this on physical DVD. That's excellent. That's um, classic, uh, you know, 2010 feel right there, because this movie came out yeah. in 2010. It's because I love this movie, that's why. Um, so I have it, I have the actual physical copy. Well, why don't you give us the uh, synopsis for Megamind? I certainly will try. When good guy decides he's done being good... Bad guy thinks he knows what's good for bad and creates a new good for the greater good of bad. But it turns out new good is a greater bad than good, and that's bad for bad. So bad becomes good in order to stop bad for the greater good. Well done, Joey. There's a lot Thank of you. twists and turns in there. You freaking nailed it. Uh, all right, <laughs> Not let's... too many hard words to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's start with our pros and cons. And why don't you tell me what you liked about Megamind? I love Megamind. Um, The original story is probably the highlight of it. Even within the superhero bubble, it is a completely unique story. Uh, It has a great casting, and the voice acting is just impeccable. Uh, Will Ferrell like actually disappears into the role of Megamind. Like you don't just hear his voice. It actually he has some sort of weird inflection where he kind of pitches it a little bit higher to kind of match Megamind's like smaller frame, which I think is amazing. Um, There's a consistent adherence to a theme, and the themes in this movie are so close to my heart, and it just really speaks to me. The animation is fun and full of life, and it's just this brilliant script that is hilarious all the way through and has setups that are just beautiful oh nice very nice i i agree with you the setups there are some really choice uh setups in this film especially the open air the opening of this movie how it leads to the climax of the movie just i was it's so good i've seen this movie before i forgot about the perspective shift of him like you don't know what's happening and then the buildings appear into frame and then he's like gives you all that context it's awesome it's so cool very cool and um, i i agree also this is a very funny movie like a joke a minute type movie where it just never stops like with the gut busters which which i really love also just yeah like going along with the good setups and payoffs just it's a airtight script it just uh it, it really flows together it doesn't feel like you ever waste any time it's a short movie um at just over an hour and a half and um i think it's there's no wasted time it's it's good throughout amazing cast just packed with a-listers even minor roles like ben stiller plays the uh museum curator uh the guy who oh, does he really yeah who um megamind ends up impersonating to go on the dates with roxanne um, oh he's Ber- bernard he's the real bernard yeah which is bernard yeah and he and he does like a he's doing a voice so it doesn't even sound like ben stiller really but it, it is him uh there's also just great music and great music in the sense where it's just iconic well-known rock and roll music that fits perfectly yeah. for each situation it's like the you know if you can't afford these songs you try to get a song like them but this this movie obviously had the budget and the means to have just the best version of each song and it fits totally with Megamind's character too. He's just obsessed with like a visibility. So him like playing these songs in public and like to his to his mass schemes are just, just it's perfect. Nothing could be better than that. Right, and I I think the it has a fun animation style, especially in the faces. Like I just it, 
the big uh, colorful eyeballs and just all the expressions. If you ever pause this movie in the middle of a scene, it'll probably be a hilarious freeze frame because they just over animate the face, uh, which I really love a lot. Yeah, it's, it's really good character design. I feel like that's probably the strongest part of the animation. Um, moving on to the cons. And this is something I actually didn't notice until after I was looking up when this movie came out and when Despicable Me came out. And um, Despicable Me attempted, the, or, or yeah, attempted this same subversion earlier in 2010. So, oh wow, yeah, so same year, yeah, same year. Like Despicable Me came out in like a spring, uh, like early summer, and then this came out in the fall, like early winter. And that's like Universal, right? Yes. Well, that it, well, yes, that is Universal, and um, and also like his sidekick's name is Minion, and Despicable Me had the Minions, mm. which oh my gosh, Minion is a thousand times better than the Minions, um, <laughs> at least from a cultural perspective. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just again it, it's just classic dreamworks it seems like for them to be like oh this is super successful let's make like a cheaper version but i want to classify this a i don't think this is a cheaper version i i it's been a while since i've seen despicable me but i, I think i prefer this to it um and also it's only really that for like the first third of the movie once the plot of this movie really takes motion i i know it's still like the bad guy becoming the good guy i think it goes it it takes its own path uh, oh yeah so. I, I mean despicable me is a completely different story I, I think the the kind of twist i guess the obvious twist that the movie is premised on is like you're following a bad guy and then he he turns into a good guy because he learns the power of of uh being a father or whatever it is you know but i i think megamind takes this in a totally different direction it's something that you wouldn't see in any other kind of superhero movie well sure and and i guess also just to it, there's like certain parts of it where it's like having all the gizmos and the gadgets like that's his superpower it's like okay they both do that you know but i don't think that Gru gets exclusive rights to being a super an evil super genius you know so while that that's as far as i'll go with it is that it did come out in the same year which does seem like they're kind of biting off the apple uh with despicable me parallel thinking man <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It's possible, honestly. I mean, the reason ants got made is because they were, um, uh, DreamWorks found out that they were making Bugs Life. That stuff happens all the time. Anyway, uh, what, stuff that I didn't like about this movie, I feel like the animation overall hasn't aged super well. There, it's kind of uh, like blocky or like not as detailed as you might see in a more a recent movie. Uh, like the, the backgrounds and stuff are just, just not as filled out as you might see in uh, something more recent. Um, but that's honestly it because I I love this movie. I I am probably have some sort of bias to it. I don't know what where that comes from exactly. Uh, just because I really, really love the story. Um, and I really love the characters. Okay, and well, so for that reason, I'm ending it. Yeah, that's it. There's no more cons. Yeah, okay? good. All right. Well, then let's move on to our overall section, Joey. Let's go. Tell us more about this movie. I feel like Megamind does so much and it does all of it perfectly it's got this kick-ass score with a kick-assier cast and the movie <laughs> deserves to shine although it has been kind of getting a lot of love on the internet lately um it never really seemed to take off the way disney movies or something like shrek or even despicable me has uh, it's something that you don't hear people talk about a lot or you see you see memes of it more recently but but that would that that didn't exist like you know, maybe a year or two ago. So are you, well, I, I can remember one specific meme and it's actually, I include it in the quotes section, uh, but I'll play it right here. Rise, my glorious creation. Rise and come to Papa. Is that, so is obviously that's one of the ones you're referring to, right? 
Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of other ones that I've seen recently that are just about you know just have Mega Mind in them and stuff, and they're all you know generic quotes from the movie that apply to other things, just like all memes do. Um, but this is kind of like a strange period in DreamWorks history where they were making great animated movies, but those movies seem to be lost to time. Stuff like like Monsters vs. Aliens. You, you remember? I that saw movie? that in theaters with uh, Reese Witherspoon. Like that movie was actually better than it deserved to be, and it was there were so <laughs> many parts of it that I actually remember quite clearly. So it's been a long time since I've seen it, uh, but it's just a, a similar kind of thing. A Cloud with a Chance of Meatballs. That one is a I feel like is a classic. Again. Uh, I didn't see that one, but Chris, I read the book, so I know what happens. It's even better than the book. Chris, <laughs> wow. Chris Lord and Phil Miller of uh, Lego Movie and 21 and 22 Jump Street fame. Oh, wow. Uh, so, and, and, of course, Clone High. They're some of the best animated directors out there, in my opinion. Uh, they made Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, which came out, uh, I think, the year before this one, or a year after. No, a year before this one. Um, and, again, like that's something that you don't really see a lot of. There was a sequel to it, but... Uh, you know, people don't really talk about it as much. It's it's a shame because these movies they deserve more attention. I think you go back and rewatch them. I feel like the script for this movie is the strongest part. The, the story is really tight. It has constant jokes and callbacks. It set up set up some payoffs are just brilliant, and it does a perfect job of telling the story. Well, yeah, and, Mega Mind. Well, hold on. I, I want to talk about the setups and payoffs a little bit more because when I first was watching the movie, because I'd seen it before. And I thought I remembered everything, but I obviously didn't. But hearing him mispronounce the, all these words throughout, I was, I, was, I was getting so frustrated. I was like, why can't you <laughs> pronounce things correctly, Megamind? You've been on Earth your whole life. You should be able to do this. But it's all kind of red herrings to allow for the metrocity like slip up so that when he says metrocity as Metro Man to um, Titan, the audience totally, at least I did, it went over my head. And then Hal came back. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they, like they, it was out in plain sight. Uh, it's so perfect. Yeah. In like, no, it's a brilliant, it's brilliant. The, one of the very first lines he has is about, is mispronouncing Metro City as metrocity. And then, you know, uh, making it clear that he's saying Metro Man is the defender of Metro City, like clearly linking those together, so you know what he's talking about. And so that when when that payoff when that uh payoff happens at the end, it's just it's just perfect. I mean, the whole I, I think that actually plays again into like this brilliant character work here because like uh I was trying to find out if there's some sort of like thing for mispronouncing words and there's there are some things for like if you have dementia or something which clearly megamind doesn't have it's something it may have something to do with him being so isolated though because people that mispronounce words are sometimes people that are just well read but don't often have an opportunity to speak out loud so it's possible that because he's never had any like close relationships besides minion he's never had an opportunity to exercise his vocabulary and therefore mispronounces words because he doesn't know any better oh yeah that make a, so, that make a lot of sense a, a big part know, of his character anyway yeah no no, no. <laughs> i mean a big part of his character is how he's always been uh, isolated you know ever since yeah. he arrived i mean he did have some caring, uh, like prisoners at the yeah prison mates. prison mates at the what was it? It was like like school for the criminally gifted or something. Or, That's right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I love the way they taught him too with like the flashcards. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was funny. That's so good. Yeah, so Mega, Mega Mind the character is really fun and well developed. Um, he makes a great pro protagonist uh, because. He is so flawed. Um, and despite his assertion that he is no hero, he clearly has some sort of like guiding principles. And he's a genius. 
and extremely vain, but he's also a fish out of water. And he never, he never feels accepted and therefore rejects the world out of spite um, and is convinced he's meant to do evil simply for evil's sake. Um, he never really, his, his motivation doesn't really go deeper than that to do evil. You yeah. Know? It, it's not like I'm going to rule the world or like, I'm going to, uh, you know, make everyone do this or, or do that. He, he just wants there to be more evil in the world. So he acts that well, out. Yeah. I saw him as almost embracing the role of the opposition to like the masses. When he arrives yes. at the school, he, he really puts it, he's like, he had already amassed an army of supporters or whatever, like <laughs> talking about the class, the kids in the class who already loved young Metro man. And he decided to embrace being evil, but there's a difference between you know, being evil and appearing to be evil. His first right. act, once he's committed to this role, was to explode blue dye over everybody, which is annoying, and definitely, you know, everyone will notice <laughs> it, but it's not the same thing as using your laser gun to blow up some corn cobs and pointing that next at the students, right? He didn't, yeah. He it never seems like he actually wants to hurt people. He just wants to give them something to be opposed to. Exactly. He's... And, and all of his actions, especially with Metro Man, like linked to that, you know, it's all it's it's this elaborate performance. Um, and, and I mean, that comes back, of course, in one of my favorite lines in the movie. Uh, but that's like everything he does, like is linked to that. And Metro Man is perfectly willing to play up that side of it, you know, and, and play into his uh, presentation. I mean, look at it, Metro Man when uh, at the very beginning, when they're giving him the museum, right? He still has the mic and he's like got great mic etiquette, like talking right into it so that everyone can hear it. Well, yeah. Megamind has displayed his face on the on the like the thing there's a camera then, that floats yeah. right in front of him and if you watch it because the first time you're watching you're just like oh what's going on but i when i rewatched it you notice the camera is like moving around and catching different angles of him and he's he's playing with it and sticking his hands out like like you can't stop like i'll save you roxy and he's like pointing at the camera you know like yes. giving <laughs> uh, like this presentation playing his part as the protagonist Oh, it's so perfect. And yeah, so and Megamind sets this whole thing up so that there's a big audience and that, of course, Metro Man is going to stop him and everything. Like, it's it's played up as if he's doing this th this elaborate scheme for eat for whatever his notorious uh, purposes are. But really, he's building up this idea of Metro Man and building up this idea of good versus evil and in good uh, perpetuating itself. It's I don't know. It's, it's really freaking cool. It is. It's almost... <laughs> it's like uh it's good really what he's doing because yeah. he's giving metro man that opportunity to show people that good should win or that you should root for good just like jonah hill he knows the importance of a supporting role wow look at that <laughs> look at it that. all comes back well okay i mean i don't want to get too ahead of myself here but like re-watching this scene once you've seen the end once you know what metro man is truly capable of which is anything he wants really um, yeah. to sh like just once you once he freezes time and he's able to do whatever he wants you're like okay that's your man is infinitely powerful like the mega mind despite also being super powerful has no chance of ever defeating him so this is all just a charade none of oh, this yeah. has ever been real metro man has always been totally in control can do whatever he wants and he is playing along 100 percent. like it's none of that like it goes from him being like this tried um, caricature of what like the generic superhero is, just like a Superman clone, into yes. being like <laughs> this guy who's playing a part in a in a like live performance. Oh yeah, it definitely is, and that's like his only real role, right? Because 
if Megamind didn't exist, then Metro Man wouldn't have really that much to do because like the real world's problems are way can't be solved with punching and, and laser eyes, you know, like the, that stuff is all for theatrics, essentially. And yeah, I like I want to talk about Metro Man too. Like, he feels trapped by his responsibilities, um, but he's ultimately kind of revealed to be selfish. Um, and he gives up his life as savior of the city in order to pursue a completely different calling. Uh, one that's like still kind of in the public eye, but much more centered on like him and his abilities, you know? Well, yeah. And it was interesting that he went for that because he's already famous and stuff. It's not the pursuit of fame. It seemed like he really just wanted to create music or, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you want to sound pretentious, create art. And he's not in the public eye. At least for the public eye thinks he's gone. So I thought it was kind of interesting that he's in there creating music. He, he, he doesn't imply, at least I didn't catch that he was implying, that he wanted any notoriety off of being Music Man. I mean, I guess he says, so I can keep the trademark M. I can keep the brand. Yeah, yeah but, but at the very <laughs> least, for now, he's still hiding and just making music by himself. So yeah. is it, is it um, I guess, is that selfish of him to choose a different life? Especially well, if he with, knows that this whole thing's a charade. If with great power comes great responsibility, you know, like there's only so much that you know. I don't know. There's this idea of balance, right? And uh, and Mega Mind fulfills that other end of it. But without that, Metro Man simply has to wait for the next big threat that is clearly out there to come and try and stop the city. You know, like. If he can come to Earth and, you know, do all of this stuff, there's no reason why someone else with more evil intentions could do the same, which is kind of what Mega Man, Mega Mind does, but he's, his, uh, his intentions really aren't that, you know, sophisticated. Sure, and I guess if, if Metro Man really wanted to, like, deal with the problem, he would have just killed Megamind, like, <laughs> which is yeah. something he was definitely <laughs> capable of doing. Like, don't throw him in jail, like, end the threat forever. Right. But of course, like that's that's the whole thing is the public image too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the one character we haven't talked about at all is Roxanne. Um, she's a classic strong woman slash damsel damsel in distress slash reporter uh, that is more than just a love interest. Of course, um, she is incredibly important to the plot of the movie, um, and she ties our heroes and villains together. She's proven to be capable and smart, and although her contributions to the fighting and saving are slim, she acts as a catalyst to the climax of the movie. And Titan, um, the real villain of this movie, is his, his unhealthy obsession with her is shown to be wrong. So what is the movie really saying about our female lead exactly? Mm. Because she's like, she's like the classic strong woman slash damsel in distress. Like, you know what I mean? Where yeah. they're, they're overcompensating for her having to be saved all the time by making her, you know, fiercely independent and have a pixie cut and like, you know, runs her own, I don't know, reporting business or whatever she does. You know, who knows what's going on with her? Yeah, I don't know. It didn't really like they were co-workers, her and Hal, but I, I don't really know. I assume there's a station behind them, you know, like. Yeah, I've never seen that, though. <laughs> well, I mean, doesn't the, I think the van has like a, a channel on the side of yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah i don't know she is pretty strong and independent like she has to deal with these super oafs that are all like <laughs> interested in her plus she plays a pivotal role in megamind actually defeating uh how at the end because she's the one who knows she notices where the invisible car well, she is. brings how to the the place in the first place wait be more specific how uh, she she brings how like in megamind's path to 
strike with his uh, super ray gun. Okay, that's true. Um, but I don't know if we can really fault her for that. They were looking for for Mega. No, I mean it's not her fault, but she, it's her reason. She, yeah, I guess that's true. The, the, she's, he she's just not ha- really the reason that, that is that a pretty random ricochet evil. that ended up shooting that thing up <laughs> Hal's Hal's nose. I guess what I just I just want to give her credit, right? Because yeah. she she isn't a superhero. She doesn't have a lot of power in the fights. She does end up being a damsel in distress, begging for Mega Mind to come save her. But and she does she kind of figure part. it out that like that Titan is a is a product of. Of Megamind, right? Well, although at that point it doesn't matter. Well, I loved. Um, I, I thought it was a pretty good uh, like satire of the classic like web of clues that somehow comes together to form the whole picture. Because she has all this stuff in her apartment. She's like, maybe I just need to take a step back, and she like backs up, and it literally forms the word Titan, and it has a shape of a man. Like, that is not what would be formed out of like individual notes put together. I took that as like fully uh, metaphoric, you know, of like she takes a step back and suddenly the solution reveals itself. But what does she see? Well, she sees everything that she's laid out already. All the red string and everything links together and then suddenly she can see the whole picture and it creates this, this thing that she uh, you know, perceives as um, an idea, I guess. An idea that, that like Megamind will create something? Like- Megamind will create a superhero. Well, I took it fully literally, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> uh, and, cause, and then she immediately um, meets Titan right after that. Of course. Right. But you so know, her like, revelations are never, are qu- not quite like, not quite enough. Uh, she just, you know, her like investigations and everything doesn't really reveal too much about the two other characters. Megamind knows the situation perfectly. He created the situation. Hal, of course, is just a bumbling fool and does what he he wants. He doesn't care about what Roxanne thinks. So, you know, her figuring out that her like you know having Megamind reveal himself to her doesn't really it isn't something that she did either. You know, she just reacts naturally. Um, yeah, but she she serves as somewhat of a moral compass, right? She um she. Um, is able to stick to her own beliefs and, and be a good person in almost every situation when right, she our other characters to, can't. Yeah, she, well, she doesn't fold to pressure or anything. Well, sure, but she's like, she doesn't bend to Hal's will when he becomes Titan and wants to, them to be together. Um, yeah. she, the same thing with Megamind. She doesn't want to like forgive his past deeds just because he lied to, well, also lying to her is one of those past deeds, but also just because they had a relationship going. And she immediately reprimands Me- Metro Man for not saving the city and deciding to be Music Man. Um, so I, she definitely is like straight as an arrow as far as doing the right thing in every circumstance. Yeah, that's definitely true. And she, like, I mean, she's the, the, the guiding force that makes Megamind kind of rethink his whole life, mm-hmm. you know, uh, realize that maybe there's something worth doing other than being evil. Yeah. Church? I don't know. It's, it's kind of complicated. <laughs> church? Did you say church? I did say church. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of complicated, but I, I, I don't know. She, she definitely fills a lot of that role without having to do without having a lot to contribute really to the plot besides like being there and being an object for people to ogle at she definitely gets ogled at oh yeah you're definitely right there (laughs) (laughs) so i think this movie covers so many ideas really well and i'm sure we'll get to most of them but um i i think this is this i think what makes this movie really exceptional is that it uses the idea 
from a superhero movie or a comic book movie um, to build up this unique and interesting story. It starts off with this framework that we're all very familiar with, you know, uh, the villain and the super hand, superhero uh, who is, you know, just like Superman. Megamind is kind of a Lex Luthor type. He's bald, you know, he's super smart. He's super into gadgets and stuff. So it, it's this constant cat and mouse game between the two of them. And one of them can easily kill the other, but uh, he keeps getting free or whatever. You know, it, it's this constant um, war between the two. Um, and they set that up so nicely because they put it just in the, the terms that you're already super familiar with. And from there, they build onto it to this story that you've never seen before. Um, and I think that's just perfect. That's what they should be doing with, with like superhero movies, I think. They should be starting with this familiar framework and then using it to catapult it, your, the, the audience into a completely different story with completely different messages. Um, and I think that makes the movie more ex more accessible and more inclusive too. Even though like it's like only you know only Megamind can save the city, that's not really what the lesson of the story is. The lesson of the story is like you have a choice in who, what kind of person you are, no matter where you started from or who you used to be. And I think that's way more powerful than like oh you know like believe in yourself or sacrifice for the greater good. You, you know that that kind of stuff doesn't quite land as well Wait, sure yeah um, we can we can agree with it but it doesn't really resonate with us it's like okay right. i'll do it's good like i guess when spider-man saves you know mary jane or whatever like you're like oh that was entertaining and fun but like what what message do you walk away from that movie you know you walk away with some good visuals but it's it's it, doesn't, it, it hardly ever goes deeper than that and when they do go deeper than that when uncle ben says uh uh, when great with great power comes great, great responsibility that's what sticks with you and that's what makes the movie something worth remembering and that's why i love megamind yeah it's great i'm i was super excited when we came back to uh revisit this one because it's been a while since i've seen it I, I honestly it was probably 2010 last time i saw this um or shortly after that um but it, i just want to go over some of the the jokes that i noticed that were super funny because and All this right. movie's full of them but there are just a couple oh i want to so like when they were in the library uh when it was megamind dressed as bernard talking to roxanne they're both reading yes. books about megamind which also hilarious that they have books about megamind but in the background <laughs> there's a cardboard cutout of metro man and he's like you know just like in a heroic pose and he has a little speech bubble that says read words kids <laughs> <laughs> which is i think just goes along with the whole character of metro man of like being like the fake like good guy you know it's it's like yeah he's yeah, supposed yeah. to say stuff like this like uh, yeah i can i think we can all agree with read words kids but it's like kind of stupid you know there's Dude, you, want, you want me to like uh say my the one quote i have here sure go, i think that that fits with it perfectly this first one the greatest honor you've given me is letting me serve you to helpless people of Metro City. And at the end of every day, well, I often ask myself, who would I be without you? And I love you, random citizen. <laughs> I think these are two like examples right here of Metro Man's kind of relationship with the public where he's, uh, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't really think of the other people as like equals. He sees them as helpless. And when there's, when someone says I love you, it's like, hey, I, my relationship with you is that you are just a random person. You know, <laughs> I think that fits perfectly with that. You know, read words, kid. It's like it's just like it's almost there. It's almost like touching. Yes, it's, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's almost personal. Like he he's like I love you, Metro City, but it's not like 
I love you, Metro City, in the sense where like I have actual affection for you. It's like I love you as like fans at my the concert. Monolith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but also uh, going along with Metro Man, and this makes perfect sense, especially because his name is Metro Man. But when Mega Mind shows up, you know, with his watch, making him look like he's Metro Man, and he like lasers the bus in half to save Roxanne when Hal throws the bus at her, he's like, please. Let's have a little respect for public transportation. <laughs> Metro man, I didn't catch that. That's so I hilarious. Died, but that's also <laughs> such a corny line, dude. Like that is the most like I'm the generic superhero line of all time. Uh, what, right. Well, yeah, that's perfect because it's actually Mega Man too. Yes, right. <laughs> what exactly. he imagines Metro Man would say. <laughs> so that I that was just one of the funniest lines. I I had I paused oh, I and rewinded it because it was just so funny and like. Just another example of how how good this script was. Like, even if you oh, yeah. d- ignore the plot and just l- like, enjoy the movie in thirty seconds, sp- like sprints, you'll still <laughs> laugh. Or you'll still enjoy it. Oh my gosh! Yes. They're still very funny. Um, also, uh, like the "No, you can't" posters that that go up <laughs> above the Capitol or the 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 uh, town hall. Right. Well, this is <clears throat> this was like a year or two after. Uh, uh, Obama, right? right? Well, yeah, the election was 2008, so yeah, it would have been still t- very topical to do an Obama yeah. reference. <laughs> it's like it's not even him looking that evil. It's a, it's just like the yes, uh, yes, we can. Yeah, he's like looking off into the distance. Yeah. <laughs> same colors and everything. <laughs> I loved it. Um, and also when uh, Megamind goes to the museum. Uh, the Metro Man Museum, and he's about to destroy yeah. it. He's talking about all like the, the evil schemes he didn't get to while Metro Man is still alive, and he references the illiteracy beam, which is so <laughs> funny. Like that's the type of thing I'm talking about. Like that it's like a, a bit that kind of has been done before because Gru also has his own like you know hilarious like evil villain kind of like gadgets but this one is yeah. pretty good like this one is is uh, <laughs> on its own level uh and i think that's that's pretty hilarious it is and uh yeah so I, I, those are just some of the ones i like i also have some quotes in our quote section that we'll go over those are just some ones i let wanted me, to reference. let me mention my favorite joke which i don't have as a quote just because it, the so when they are when they do the whole code thing, right, between yes, uh, Megamind yes. and uh, Minion, where where he says code and then he says literally what he wants him to do, yeah. uh, and Minion calls him out and says uh, like normally when you say code, it's like a euphemism for something else, but then at the uh, at that kind of dramatic climax uh, when uh, Megamind is about to go off to that date with Roxanne um, and sacrifice some of the preparation for his big fight with Titan. Um, uh, as Minion is walking out, he says, Code, I'll grab my thing and go. <laughs> and he grabs his one thing, which is his fish food and his lunchbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. That was my favorite. I love that so uh, much. Minion is so... Yeah, we haven't talked about David Cross yet, but like Minion was great in this movie. His he's like oh my gosh, so, he's so funny. like submissive, but also like aware of the vanity of Megamind. Like he he doesn't really object to it or resist, but he still like will kind of bring it up. <laughs> oh yeah, like I got a definitely kind of a Rick and Morty vibe almost when they right after they defeated Metro Man, and he's like, "We did it!" No, I did it, and he was like, "Well, <laughs> when they give up the awards, like I'll definitely be up there with you." He's like, "What awards? What are you talking?" 
out. Like, and it's kind of behind, you know, it's, it's not the focal point because it's leading up to the opening of the song uh, that yeah, plays yeah. there. So it's just kind of offhand comments. And David Cross is perfect for doing that kind of character. Oh my gosh, he's so good. Minion, like Minion's whole design is so funny because he starts off as like a fish in a bowl and then he turns into like a, like this big thing that he can control and he has like you know, all sorts of different capabilities with his robot arms and everything. Um, yeah. And then there's that great moment when he's uh, about to re- uh, reveal himself to, uh, to Metro Man or to, to, to Titan uh, as Space Dad. Um, and uh, Minion has the wig and the apron. <laughs> and and Megamind looks at him like kind of confused and, uh, Metro- and uh, Minion's like, what? And Megamind says, no, you look fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their, yeah, their partnership is so, so like amazing i I loved it Uh, and and, uh, that just reminds me also like the thing is i'm trying to resist the urge to just say all my favorite jokes from this uh, like movie because it is it's just a joke a minute it's great but i especially when hal discovers that he's megamind he's like how (laughs) could you do this to space mom (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe you did this to space stepmom yeah stepmom that's right (laughs) that was so good (laughs) oh boy okay okay that's enough quoting our favorite if you if you really want to laugh just go watch this movie again uh our listeners because it's it's uh it's hilarious but now it's time for our cool easter eggs joey what do you got okay so i only got one this is uh megamind's a gun so he has that like it's kind of like a revolver i guess where like it has a bunch of different options on it i paused the movie to to see it it's like very decoratively styled it's got like lots of gold and kind of trim to it but it's got a bunch of different options and it says on the gun d as in d e and then there's a bunch of other things that you can rotate between so that you can pick whatever one it is and have i, I listed all of them out so one of them is destroy and then of course you see him do the dehydrate but there's also a decompress decourage which doesn't make any sense debilitate and demoralize demoralize <laughs> <laughs> that's so evil genius to only d things Yes, yeah, like the D gun. I don't even know what he calls it. He calls it his ray gun. But oh man, yeah, that's great. I thought that was pretty good. Um, well, I, I had to look on IMDb trivia to find any Easter eggs. I look. I watched a couple scenes that where that had like a lot of things in them. Like for instance, yeah. actually, when right after they defeat Metro Man and go on their like spree of just having fun around the city, uh, and they have all like the gold bricks and money all inside of like the Oval Office or whatever. They yeah. the Ark of the Covenant is in there which, which really? I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, it, <laughs> that is pretty funny. It's just sitting that. there like among the gold bricks. It's kind of hidden, but it's definitely the Ark of the Covenant. Um, <laughs> so they got that too somehow. I mean, the Mona Lisa was in there, but that doesn't really feel like an Easter egg. It was pretty in plain view. Yeah. Um, but one of the interesting trivia things they had on IMDb was that David Cross was actually based in London during the production of this film. So he re- recorded all of his lines remotely. Really? Yeah. And I, I'm not exactly sure how much of the time the actors are in the room together, but I thought it was he did a really good job for recording by himself uh, the character of Minion because it doesn't sound, you know, it, yeah, it dude, sounds like their, th- their relationship is so is so like charismatic and, and fun that, yeah, you wouldn't expect that at all. I was pitch I like when I was trying to picture what, the, what it was like, I was picturing Will Ferrell and David Cross like standing next to each other, yelling at each other, you know. So, yeah, they play off each other so well, and uh, it's just, you know, it's almost like the way that we play off each other so well, even though we're not in the same place. That's, that's exactly right. We're like, we're, we're both David Cross. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I'd rather be David Cross than Will Ferrell. 
Can you imagine like someone writing a review for this podcast? It's like it's like two David it's like crosses. Two David crosses. I couldn't. I, I think we'd have to stop at that point. I think we would have peaked. That I agree. <laughs> that's high praise right there. Um, all right, so that's gonna do it for our Easter eggs, and we're gonna move on to the songs. Uh, and we just have to bring up the name once. We're we're actually we're very lucky to bring up the name Hans Zimmer so soon. That's right. Uh, after we brought him up uh, during our Muppets uh, Treasure Island episode. Yes. Uh, yes. Love Hans, Hans Zimmer. I did not know he did the score for this, but doesn't surprise me. Honestly, oh, he's, yeah. he's it, so involved with all these really big uh, movies. The um, motion picture soundtrack uh, for this movie apparently did really well. Like it got nominated for awards and stuff. Really? Yes. And it doesn't even include some of the songs you think it would include uh, because a lot of it is original music from this. Like apparently there's a Metro Man song. There's a there's a Mega Mind song when he's putting the cape on. Which yes. I, I couldn't understand what the lyrics were because like the, the subtitles didn't pick it up. But yeah, I, I was it was something related to what he was doing. Yeah, and I, honestly, I probably could have found some of the songs on YouTube or somewhere. Um, unfortunately, they're not on Spotify. Um, so when I looked up the motion picture soundtrack, I found a playlist, but it mostly contained the songs that I'm about to list, um, which were also in the movie, but obviously not original. Uh, but as far as bringing music to an animated film, like they, they got some of the best songs you can get. Highway to Hell by ACDC, Back in Black by ACDC, Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses, Bad by Michael Jackson. Um, these are just songs that everybody knows yeah. and they're the type of songs that creators dream of being able to use in a project because there's a reason why they're so iconic and well known. And like, unlike other movies that may kind of like shoehorn this in and be like, Oh, like, look, we got this great song and like really make kind of a highlight of it or like use it as an excuse or like a, uh, like a re like. Uh, yeah, excuse is a good word, you know, like to to not actually fill out a scene to just yes, kind of let the music yes. carry it. This these I feel like these songs like fit into Megamind's character of like being obsessed with presentation and uh, and like him using them to like accent his big performances. Which, yeah, I've already said this is it's just perfect. It's like a it, it is a really good compliment uh, to the movie. And I feel like these these are earned way more than like you might see in other in other movies. I think that's well put, and uh, it's just, it's a good combination. Great songs and a good reason that they're included. And we've got one more, and I'm actually going to play the clip from the movie that this one comes in, because the song Come As You Are by Nirvana is in this, in this movie, but uh, not, played, not performed by Nirvana. I was finally free to get in touch with my true power. Weaving lyrical magic. Check this out. I have eyes that can see right through lead. Horrible. So yeah, so that was Metro Man displaying his talents before Megamind and Roxanne. And even though he claims that to be an original work, it's actually Come As You Are by Nirvana That's just funny. with Metro Man lyrics. My which favorite I, song that they included in this movie is uh, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Oh yeah, I should have included that. That in one's too, really which, great. Another great song. Yes, That's a and song like fitting that, because he's blue, and it's about him having a great day outside. <laughs> it's uh, that's a song that I have on my Spotify, but I restrict my own listening to it because it it, it invokes such a powerful emotion in me. Like it makes me feel so energized and good. Like it's a it's a great like song, like first song of the day type of song. Oh yeah, uh, and I don't want to get tired of it. So I don't let let myself listen to that song very often. Yeah, I have to ration it. I I refuse to ruin that song for myself. Have you seen? Have you heard uh, Weezer's uh, version of it for their for their new uh, um, cover album that they came out with? 
No, I good. didn't. Oh, wow. Okay, maybe I'll have to check that out. Um, but that's going to do it for our music section, and now we're ready to move on to our quotable moments. And I believe I have the first one. Over here, old friend. In case you haven't noticed, you've fallen right into my trap. You can't trap justice. It's an idea, a belief. Even the most heartfelt belief can be corroded over time. Justice is a non-corrosive metal. But metals can be melted by the heat of revenge. It's revenge, and it's best served cold. But it can be easily reheated in the microwave of evil. Well, I think your warranty is about to expire. Maybe I got an extended warranty. Warranties are invalid if you don't use the product for its intended purpose. Oh, girls, girls, you're both pretty. Can I go home now? So, first off, just, like, surface level. This is hilarious. Like, what? <laughs> this is such good back and forth banter. Oh my god! Um, and it just goes into like it continues to build on this level of absurdity, and <laughs> to the point where Roxanne cuts it off and is like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like, and, and again, I, I just maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but I felt like this movie was trying to make fun of the superhero genre to a certain extent. Yeah. And this is like poking fun at the pointless banter that goes on behind between supervillains and superheroes. Like they're fighting over the idea of justice. <laughs> justice is obviously good. Like there's not, oh, I prefer injustice, right? Like that's going to be, so So it's hilarious that they just forget that. They, they yeah, stop yeah. arguing the, about the actual justice. The metaphor just gets really out of control. Exactly. It's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think you're right that it does serve like that purpose, but I also feel like it serves the purpose of reinforcing how like how re like how in their zone or like in their roles these two are. You know, mm-hmm. every time they do something like this, it's always the same. It always acts out the same way. You know, it's there's never any real surprises or twists. And so like them having this banter is just part of that script that they run through. Um, and you can see that like. Uh, you know, maybe every time they've had a fight, the, another line of this gets let, added on and it's always the same thing that they say, you know, who knows? But the, the kind of back and forth is like a, a, a kind of a, uh, a thing that Megamind really looks forward to, I guess, um, and perve- per- perpetuates as much as he can. And it's clear that Metro Man kind of enjoys it, too. Oh, yeah. No, and this is this is my favorite type of banter between like people. And it really is banter. Like sometimes people like to talk shit between each other and like. It's one thing to try to like out shit talk the other person and make them look like an idiot and a fool, but it's another thing to just both try to be clever against <laughs> yes. each other. You know, like it, there's no winner here. The, fe- the what you're trying to do is just go as long as possible being witty, uh, <laughs> exactly. and they 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 probably could have kept going if it wasn't for Roxanne. So I I, I love that so much. Um, okay, I've got the next quote as well. That's a pretty tasteless costume. Costume? Megamind's head is not that grossly exaggerated. <laughs> okay, so I had to bring this one up because this is Ben Stiller. This yes. is his uh, role. And it's such a like burn against Megamind to say that the actual Megamind is a gross exaggeration of who yes. they perceive him to be. It's so hilarious. <laughs> Oh yeah, so it's it's just like when uh, like uh, an actor who has like a British accent like like pretends to have a different accent in a movie, and then they switch to a British accent, and then the characters in the movie are like that British accent doesn't like is totally yeah that's so fake yeah it's so fake I can't believe it yeah uh yeah so not a whole lot to read into here just a a line that really made me laugh and and I love (laughs) Ben Stiller's delivery as Bernard Bernard. 
Oh, wait, 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 wait. Actually, before we continue, just this probably should have gone on the Easter eggs, but I mean, if you wa- if you stayed for any of the credits, you probably saw it. But did you stay for the credits long enough to see what oh, happened yeah, to Bernard? Yeah. Bernard the is in the, uh, the washing machine. Yeah, he <laughs> left him in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. They're just so, again, it's just a joke a minute, and then they get him with the forget me stick. <laughs> Metro Man's gone, and now there's no one left to challenge Megamind. Oh, come on, Bernard. As long as there's evil, good will rise up against it. Oh, I wish. I believe someone is going to stand up to Megamind. You really think so? Yeah, it's like they say, heroes aren't born, they're made. So this is kind of a, a, a big theme in this movie, um, is this kind of vacuum that exists as Metro Man is, is, has faked his death and there's no one left to challenge Megamind. Um, of course, like Megamind also wants there to be someone to uh, challenge him with, um, and if he kind of interprets Roxanne here as saying that he can make a hero. Uh, when in fact the real lesson is that he has to learn that he can become a hero um, that even if he wasn't necessarily born that way but I, I want to take this opportunity to talk kind of about this idea of balance um, uh, they mention yin and yang twice in this movie uh, they talk about like uh, there's kind of this vacuum or existential crisis that Megamind goes through uh, once uh, Metro Man is gone um, and I think there's something there's some truth to that uh, like when so- stuff is in balance when forces are perfectly balanced then nothing happens it's, it's a static uh, system but uh, when uh, one of those forces goes away suddenly you're free to accelerate in some new direction and in, when that happens in a society it's a point of crisis uh, crisis occurs when there is no longer a balance. And you see that happen both macroly from uh, Megamind's perspective because the whole city kind of goes into a, you know, he's running rampant through the streets, uh, which he also says he's tired of. <laughs> <laughs> but um, also internally, he is, uh, he's going through his own crisis of like identity. He's like, who am I even if I don't have Metro Man to face? Um, it's like one of the, you know without one the other cannot be great the other cannot truly exist the other does not have much of a purpose at all um and i don't i don't know if there's like i don't know if you like basing your your existence off of some other thing that's constantly imposing you is really that healthy but this idea of balance comes up a lot in our culture um and it's something that i think has some sort of calming or like unifying effect you know i think for a long time i kind of put balance as this unifying theory of everything in my head where everything kind of worked out in like everything always kind of like balanced each other out or when something bad happened something good would would balance it out or or vice versa um and there's like this kind of karmic balance to the universe but i don't know as i've kind of grown older i've kind of gotten away from that and realize that just because there are two things in existence doesn't mean that they're equally opposed. You know, five and the average between five and negative 10 is negative 2.5. So, you know, just because you met in the middle doesn't mean you actually found where the center is. Okay. That's a great use of math right there. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I tend to agree. Um, I, I think he's misguided. Uh, to think that because there's no more Metro Man, that the only solution is to make a new Metro Man. He's right. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of, again, like this movie does such a good job with its setups because, you know, his whole thing is that he fails every time. Megamind always fails, he always loses. 
And um, so for him to try to make a new hero and to think that he can succeed at that is not consistent with what he knows about himself. <laughs> so like seeing that culminate in this like perfect moment is is great, but it also kind of lends itself to this idea that like like everything kind of works for a reason almost. And so there's certainly a balance that exists in this universe uh, that will, when something happens, when Metro Man disappears, circumstances will conspire for a new hero to rise but i guess in the end let's just talk about the end of the film who's going to be the new megamind now that megamind has essentially become the new metro man are we going to just wait for a new villain or is the villain totally unnecessary and maybe this whole charade has been unnecessary and we don't even need to have a, a good guy and a bad guy i mean i i like the idea of balance but i feel like this movie almost makes this case against it to say that like fighting for that balance is joint just going to lead to chaos instead you should reevaluate once something changes and maybe <laughs> you don't need metro man anymore maybe megamind should have focused on perhaps pursuing a healthy relationship instead of focusing on finding someone to do good so he can continue to do evil. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. And that's certainly the lesson that you should be taking away from it. Um, I don't know, like, there's... The, that's the thing, is, like, in a system with balance, nothing ever changes. It's, it's always going to be static, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, things can't get worse, but things also can't get better. Um, and I think, I mean, the movie ends on a happy note. You're assuming that Megamind, you know, makes everything better and helps out the people of Metro City. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe that's accelerating in a different direction uh, than when we first started. There is a sequel. It's, uh, it's like Megamind and the Big Button of Doom or something. Oh, really? Um, yeah. It's is, it like a, is it like a short or is it like actually a sequel? It's a short. It's Megamind, the Button of Doom was released on February 25th, 2011. So it was on the DVD. So I guess it's not a oh. sequel, but it's more Megamind. So I guess, yeah, probably not necessarily a continuation of the story, maybe just like a short film. But um, yeah, we don't know, I guess. Uh, but I, I just, I, um, I guess, w- what does that say about balance? To, to say that it wasn't necessary for Megamind to bring balance, right? To, to restore order to the good versus... To the evil. force? <laughs> sure um, but it, it wasn't necessary for him to bring in a good guy he should have just reevaluated and done something else i mean that's true for sure but it, it takes him i don't know it, it, it kind of takes that lesson for him to another another failure for him to even learn that you know and to 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 to, to go further into that crisis in order for him to really make that evaluation even though like that's been happening since the beginning of the movie when Mega, when Metro Man disappeared, um, he's been at this kind of state of unbalance. I don't know. I, I think that's the thing that makes like, I think this concept of balance really interesting is that like it's things are always trying to strive toward it, but you are constantly upsetting it. And when you upset it, things happen um, and, and changes occur. And then you're left in a new state. Uh, one, maybe not dictated by that, but this movie certainly kind of, hints at this overlying force that you know sway you know like a big pendulum that sways back and forth um dictating the what what will happen in this world create a hero wait wait what why would you do that so i have someone to fight minion i'm a villain without a hero a yin with no yang a bullfighter with no bull to fight in other words i have no purpose i guess this, this kind of ties directly into what we were just talking about, but 
like what does it mean to have no purpose is that is that something that like strikes to you, something to you yes actually uh okay this i was gonna say this in my deeper section but i feel like we could just tackle it right here um and it's like what yeah what does it mean to have a purpose right um i have a i have a friend who we were just you know talking and he talked about how if he won the lottery his life would fall apart if he ever had to stop struggling he would ruin his own life he would destroy himself Uh, because having to struggle having to work hard to survive gives him a purpose if he suddenly would became rich beyond measure he would lose uh his uh you know his ability to perceive the world that he does right the way he does right now his friends wouldn't be like him anymore he would be rich beyond measure and suddenly he would lose control um and i this is a frustrating argument to me as somebody who shows up to work every day and does a job so that i can earn a living you know and continue my existence as like a middle class citizen uh, because I would rather be doing some other stuff most of the time. And I feel like if I had, if all of my time was my own, if I could completely decide what I want to do 100% of the time, I would do some awesome stuff. I would spend time. <laughs> I don't think that that would be a worse existence. I right. think that if I became uh, immeasurably rich, I would be, re- maybe not immeasurably rich. I don't want to be to the point where it's like, I'm responsible to serve the world, solve all the world's problems because I'm so rich. <laughs> but if I didn't have to worry about supporting myself, I feel like I could fill that time pretty easily. Well, I guess it comes down to this idea of like, why, like, I guess, I guess purpose, right? Like, why are you doing the things that you are doing? You know, is it simply like your friend sounds like he's kind of living to like past time almost like it sounds kind of cruel, but like, like he's the reason he's doing the things he's doing is because he doesn't trust himself to make good decisions for himself. Whereas if you had absolute freedom, you know, it comes back to the office space question, right? If you had, um, you know, if you had enough money that you didn't have to worry about work, what would you do with your, with your life? And I don't know, like, it's, it's certainly a daunting thing to think about, but I think it's really kind of a mindset thing, ultimately, yeah. you know, like, like whether, wherever that money is coming from, whether you have to earn it every day or if you, you know, inherited it or if it came down from, you know, the lottery, then, like who you are is still how you act from that point onward you know it's not how much money you have in your bank account it's how you treat other people around you how in you know how you interact with the world at large and if you you know if you don't have if you don't have that thing that's going to limit you i guess um then you're free to be the whoever you are supposed to be and it sounds like your friend wants to be something awful <laughs> well sure and, and i don't i, I don't want to misrepresent his position i'm sure he could fight a better fight for himself than i'm than i'm giving him but um just to bring up megamind he has he won you know there's no one stopping him from doing whatever he wants and he chooses to be miserable or he ends up miserable yes when i saw that i'm like it could never be me because i would find ways not to be miserable there are so many things that i'll never have time to do Right. And if I, even if I had unlimited time, there's still, I don't think I would ever be able to accomplish all the things that I want to accomplish, experience all the things that I want to experience. Um, so your best chance is to have unlimited free time and just go for it. <laughs> so I don't identify with this mindset at all of losing purpose because you lose your struggle. I think that if you can remove your, your, those limitations, it opens the world up for you to engage in the things that you want to engage in. Yeah. I, I can kind of see how like, 
your struggle can kind of make you into the person you you are and how you could harness that into making yourself into a better person um like i think that's definitely a a a strong argument because suddenly you're forced to do things that you wouldn't necessarily want to do um and you know you challenge yourself to move outside your comfort zone and become a different person a better person um and that wouldn't that incentive wouldn't exist if uh you didn't have to struggle right i mean there's definitely a difference between like working your way up and suddenly earning financial like freedom versus being born wealthy and having everything handed to you and being like just having a path set for you to be a bad person because you never you're just very entitled right and i don't know i I guess it's just a i really do think it's kind of a a mindset thing and it it really depends on how you're going to react to circumstances more so than it determines what your circumstances are. Yeah, I agree. And I, that's just the thing. It's Megamind. If this movie was like Mega Benji Boy, um, it would be way less like uh, compelling of a film because <laughs> I would defeat Mega uh, Metro Man and then I would have just a blast for the next hour. Just go off and do whatever you wanted. Yeah. yeah I, well, I would definitely, <laughs> the, the podcast would be on there. I'd be like watching way more TV shows um, <laughs> and doing just traveling, man. There's more to the world than Metro City. Come on. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't know. That's, that's, uh, I, I don't see eye to eye with a Mega Mind in that capacity. Plus, it was so obvious that he enjoyed uh, being in a relationship with Roxanne. And maybe yeah. if in that situation, he without I don't know if he would ever be able to get in a relationship with her without lying because he literally killed Metro Man in, in that perception. <laughs> um, you know, they all think he did. At least he even thinks he did. But I'm sure there are other women out there. Um, you know, like there's a he could pursue a relationship, which seemed to be something that he was looking for. Yeah, well, he didn't have a, like a human connection with anyone. The only person in his life was Minion. You know, right. So and yeah, so like, I don't know. I I think there's there's just a lot that he was missing, right? A lot a lot of pieces in his life that he was missing, um, and he was kind of relying on someone else to kind of carry that load, um, and then when that disappears, he has to look elsewhere for it. Well, it's uh, it's all hypothetical until one of us hits it big, Joey. So let's continue our struggle and move on to the next quote. Okay. <laughs> Isn't this great? Now there's nothing keeping us apart. No, it's not great. Wow, her first fight. This is so us. We're like an old married couple. Look, there is no us, okay? There will never be an us. But I have powers. I have a cape. I'm the good guy. You are a good guy, Hal. But you don't understand. We need to find out why, Hal. This isn't right. You're supposed to be with me. I'm trying to warn you, Hal. It's Titan. It's Titan. Not how. First of all, don't you love the way he spells Titan? Yes. It's the only <laughs> one he could trademark, and it's not even Titan. It's Titan as in like tighten a knot or like tighten your, your, your belt. <laughs> or he's wearing tights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I um so I was actually kind of intrigued by how at first because he kind of seemed like a lovable dork um his mm-hmm. little banter with roxanne at the very beginning where he's like i can't believe the stuff they make you read and she's like i wrote that and he's like uh by that i mean i can't believe in in this day and age uh that they're allowing us to read art on the news it's <laughs> like, <laughs> funny you know and and he um is just kind of this goofball and then he like, but he's always pestering roxanne uh for her attention and she's always trying to let him down 
um, gently. And he just kind of seems like a confused like guy who doesn't really understand women, right? Which kind of makes yeah. you feel sorry for him. Um, at least I did. I didn't really think that he was, had all that much malice. But I don't know. He, seemed, he really does seem obsessed with her, though. You know, because he has that... When he, like, he's like confessing his love to her like constantly he has that whole like thing where he invited birthday clowns and uh in a bounce house and a dj to his house uh so that she could come over and then that would be it'd be a date and a gallon of dip right but doesn't that sound like a clueless dude who just doesn't know what a date is like i, I guess he so. just felt misguided okay here's the thing i also he's asking his co-worker out it's like seemingly like his one co-worker like that's kind of creepy and obviously he wasn't really taking no for an answer, which is also makes you kind of a scumbag. So I'm not saying that any of that is good. Um, but this movie does make a point that you're like, it's more important uh, to judge people by their actions and not their like that, who, how they look or who you think of them. Um, yes. Actually, there's a there's a, another good quote that can go along with this. We'll play that now. Roxanne. Yes. Say I wasn't so normal. Let's say I was bald and had the complexion of, of a popular primary color as a random, non-specific example. Would you still enjoy my company? Of course. You don't judge a book by its cover or a person from the outside. Oh, that's a relief to hear. You judge them based on their actions. Well, that seems kind of petty, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is this is a funny exchange but it's obvious like it's a very um like this movie makes a point here and even though at first hal might seem like this lovable dork once he receives this power and is no longer a, a loser by societal standards he's all powerful and has a potential to better society in so many ways he now has the ability to help people and like m accomplish things they they do make a point to be like he's 28 years old and he's never accomplished anything um so but in that moment now that he has changed his appearance and he looks successful he looks like someone who's good he becomes evil he's he first thing he goes for is the girl that he wants can't have it so he gets mad at the world and becomes evil so yeah. well, i mean it's kind of just what we were talking about right like his struggle or whatever limitations he had are suddenly removed and now he can do whatever he wants and his true personality comes out you know the the person that he uh he truly wants to be the person he truly is is revealed um in all of its non glorious glory oh yeah no, it's bad and it's well really it's a what makes a good villain and he truly is evil yeah. he's a bad person and and that's why um like he must be stopped and it also removed any reservations i had uh for him as a good person because uh he has the choice he tr he does have the choice to be good or bad and he dives right into being evil <laughs> it was low-key funny when megamind showed up in his apartment because he was like waiting all day long for uh yes. titan to show up for their epic fight and then he's just in his apartment playing video games and he's like he literally stole atms like <laughs> <laughs> like he just went for classic like i'm gonna steal money like not even that creative yeah. being evil oh, that's so funny yeah he just like has it all in his apartment but uh but yeah so i i thought and he says oh yeah like oh hey uh what's he hey mega man or mega mind uh there's a door here by the way <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's great. So um, at first, I, I had questions about his viability as a villain because I had seen the movie before and I couldn't remember like how that goes about. But by the end of it, I was like, okay, that's actually a really good point. Just because he looks like a nice guy or maybe just seems like a dorky, awkward guy. 
um, once it's revealed who he is, perfect villain. Yeah, definitely. For two supervillains. Oh, you're a villain, all right. Just not a super one. Yeah? What's the difference? Presentation! This is a classic line. And true, uh, like, uh, this is such a great, like, thesis for Megamind uh, in totality. I mean, my best example of something subtle, a subtle way he, he has this is when he's in the, uh, um, what's it? He's in the museum, right? He's about to blow it up. Um, and he starts, you know, making noise or something. And Roxanne notices that someone's over there, right? He runs into Bernard. The first thing he does when he realizes that Roxanne might find him is he looks down at his clothes and sees what he's wearing. He doesn't, it's not so much like, oh, I have to stop Roxanne. It's like, what am I wearing right now? Oh no, she can't see me like this. <laughs> He's just so vain. And he has like, he has those capes and everything. When he goes into Mega, to uh, Metro Man's uh, like secret hideout under the school, the school building, he puts on the cape. Oh you know? my gosh. I just realized that. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's just, he, he cares so much about like looks, about presentation and it matters so much and it really does elevate him to the level of super i mean anybody could be a smart guy and everything but having some sort of a robot army having this like crazy minion guy with like a fish head and like robot arms and everything his like elaborate capes with the like the furls and everything uh like the cowl and stuff is so it just makes him so iconic and it really like elevates him to this next level of, of person. What's interesting is that they kind of show him as being kind of small of stature, actually. Yes. Like oh, he's, he's actually, a short king. He's like he's short, a short king. Totally a short king. Um, and but he's like obviously larger than life. You know, he's this huge presence um, in the in the city, uh, and it, he totally deserves that based on his hard work toward like doing that. I mean, think about other great villains. You know, like Bowser, for example. Bowser knows branding better than anyone. You know, you walk into a Bowser castle, you know it is a Bowser castle. There's freaking <laughs> Bowsers everywhere. There's all this stuff, like all. Yes, all, or, or or even recently we talked about Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah. Walter White knows branding. Heisenberg. That's right. Um, and like you know, getting the guy to say his name and everything. Get having that the ball, like the bald thing going with the yeah, with the and the beard. goatee. Yeah, yeah. And like all of that fits together into this presence. I mean, Batman. Uh, Batman's not a villain, but his whole I, his whole thing is about presentation, about scaring villains by not knowing who he is or if he's even like a real thing, if he's an apparition or if he's a man. Like all of that is so such a powerful tool to have in your in your wheelbox if you don't actually have real superpowers. No, I, I love it. He, um, especially because yeah, it's like him opening his mouth, and then when uh, Titan go, like flies at him, he like eats him and yeah, chews like on him. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, his his presentation is fantastic. I mean the the black mamba costume the was black also mamba. amazing. 
Um, so yeah, his presentation is really legendary and it, it's part of the reason why I, I, when you brought this movie up, even though it had been years since I've seen it, I remember I was like, Oh, mega mind. Like there's a villain that <laughs> yes. I can really root for. That's exactly right. And I think I've mentioned that a few times too in the podcast about how important presentation is to villains. Oh yeah. Uh, but, um, this is where it comes from. This is, this is the thesis and it's perfect. It is perfect. Okay, Joey, I think you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. Okay, so a couple things. I have a couple different topics I just want to discuss briefly. First of all, this movie brings up something that I hadn't noticed on the first few times I watched it, which is the circumstances of your birth. So there's a theme in this movie about like how uh, heroes are uh, made, not born, right? Yet you see um, how Megamind and Metro Man's uh, circumstances start off with uh, Metro Man have every, having every luxury awarded to him, not just incredible superpowers, but growing up in a like classic upper class white home, you know, with like this mansion and everything. Um, uh, with a mother who is kind of in, like, you know, who seems a doting, but a father who seems absent even when he first <laughs> arrives. <laughs> Well, he got, he thinks that he got the baby for her for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh. baby, our baby can fly. Oh, yes. Only the best for you, my darling. <laughs> Who the heck reads the newspaper on Christmas morning? Come on. <laughs> this guy wants to be in the know. And then, of course, uh, like Megamind, I mean, even when they're flying in their little perspective, like little uh, escape like capsules. Yeah. Like Megamind's journey. First of all, they, they land up on Earth at the same time, but Megamind's journey is harder. He has to bounce between all those uh, asteroids and everything, um, and he's like yeah. flying Me through. Yeah. Me meanwhile, Metro Man gets like a beer helmet of milk. milk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's like uh, it's from the very start, Megamind has this disadvantage, um, and yet he kind of overcomes that and becomes the hero that the city always needed. Metro Man gives that up because um, he doesn't quite, or he doesn't really appreciate it. He doesn't appreciate the people of the city. He doesn't appreciate uh, like his role within it. He'd rather be doing something else. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I thought that was a really interesting way to show that um, about how like it's not about like who you are or what your genetics are. It's where you start from. That's that's the big defining feature of people's lives. You know. Oh yeah. Is, I mean that's true not just for individuals but like that's the reason that the the Europeans had such an easy time conquering America is because the the native americans didn't have um the society that was built on domestication. The, the like they didn't they couldn't domesticating buffalo is like 20 30 times harder than it is to, to domesticate cows and pigs. And so they didn't have that framework to to build a society like uh the Europeans did. And it's not because that they're lesser or that because they're weaker or anything like that. It's because they had a bad starting position. Yeah, um, I don't think you can even domesticate buffalo in Minecraft. I don't probably right? not. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> there aren't even buffalo in Minecraft. That's that how hard just, they are to I domesticate. Mean, that says a lot about our society. It like, sure does. Um, no, but you're right. Like, it, it's also like an argument for, um, I don't know, like the way that we should govern like what yeah. the way like how we should care for the the weakest in our society based on what you think it's like well everyone's got a level playing field it's all it's purely your effort it's how a totally, hard yeah you it's working. a meritocracy sure um but you can also this movie i guess kind of gives you <laughs> i'm gonna use Mega Man as the uh, evidence <laughs> for my argument here as for what, how we should govern govern <laughs> um but it's 
not everybody starts off in a position where working hard will get them to the same place. Yeah, you could start a, off with such a disadvantage. Example of privilege without yes. really stating it. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 shown, not told, and it's is something that you can understand. But it's something that kind of flies under the radar. You're just like, oh yeah, like Mega Mind never really had a chance. And you literally landed in prison. Yes. Like, and, but like translating that to real life, I don't think it's something that this movie intends for you to necessarily do. Ooh, but yeah. it, it kind of like it uh it gives you the it gives you the tools necessary to make that jump, I think. Oh my gosh, I'm making that jump right now. I'm <laughs> in my I'm like, geez, how did I not see that before? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Plus he's not plus like, you know, make him the or, same color as the other kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and again, I think it's very subtle, uh, even though it's so obvious. It's pretty good. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, very well done. Yeah. I agree. Next thing I want to talk about is determination over talent. This is my favorite theme in movies, literature, art at all. Um, I love when I see this because I feel like it speaks a lot to me. Like th this idea that just because I, it's kind of similar to what we were just talking about, just because you start off in a certain bubble, just because you start off talented in this one thing does not mean that you will be the best in that. Someone who is more determined, someone who's more hardworking can overcome any like natural talent uh, to become great in whatever they want to do. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the thing that I took away for, from this movie when I first watched it was this idea of like mega mind, like not just coming into this role, but earning that role, you know, way more than Metro man did. Um, he, he had mega mind had to go against a lot of things that were working that you know, were working against him to uh, a lot of different struggles, a lot of different opera, like I don't want to say opportunities, but you know, obstacles in his way to get to where he ends up at the end of the movie uh, way more than Metro man does. Um, and he becomes the greater hero because of it. Um, and I think that's just very inspiring in general. Yeah, no, it's uh, the classic uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I, and I like that mantra in any situation because um, at, at this point in our lives, I think a lot of people realize what they're good at and what they're not good at, you know? Sometimes the things you want to be good at aren't the things you were just gifted at to begin with, you know? Yeah, but uh, I also don't think that matters that much. Like, right, no, that's the thing. If you can work hard at it, if you're determined enough, you can do it. Yeah. And that's a really and, helpful and message I think there's away. like, there's something about like how when you first, if you have like a bad attitude towards something when you first learn it, like you're, you're just going to think you're bad at it, whether you are actually bad at it or not, you know? Um, it's easy to get discouraged and to never attempt something again just because you had bad circumstances surrounding that thing um it's like that i mean the argument that like your taste buds get reset every seven years so if there's some food that you despise like try eating it like once every 10 years is that true? A decade, yeah and oh you might gosh. have a different experience with it that's pretty cool so it's a similar thing with you know something like oh i always wanted to do that but i always thought i was bad at it you know like maybe give it another shot maybe there maybe there's something you're not remembering about that first time that tainted it for you um, and maybe you, you have some hidden talent or some uh, hidden love, I should say, for something uh, that, you're, that might be very fulfilling for you. No, I, I definitely have an example of that. I love talking about this. When I lived in Oklahoma City, uh, basketball is pretty big in that city. And I 
had played basketball before, but never like actually on an organized team. And I'm terrible at it. Like I, when I first <laughs> like went out there to play with my coworkers, it was the type of thing where like I would go to take a shot and they would like the guys who knew how to play basketball would like point and laugh. They're like, that is a hilarious way to attempt a shot. Um, but I was just that bad, you know, which always made me not want to do it. Yeah. Uh, but then I started playing some pickup games and then I joined a team and started going to practice and started getting good at it. And suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, there is a whole thing going on here that I never saw before. And it's, and I love it. And, and I ended up, even though I wasn't really that good, every time I scored a point, was just euphoria for me yeah because i w i had come so far and even though i wasn't like good even after playing for like a whole year um it was something that i never thought that i would want to do that i ended up really loving um so yeah i i, I definitely um i'm with you on this idea of just trying it do it again even if you didn't like it in the past try it again man try being good for once instead of yeah and, and stick with it i guess is also <laughs> don't just try it you know if you really yeah. like be determined about it and then maybe you can be like me and score seven points in nice. a basketball game oh yeah <laughs> uh and with that i think we're ready to wrap up our discussion on megamind it's time to deliver our ratings uh joey do you want to go first sure I give this movie an impeccably well-crafted cape with some spines and plenty of black. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. Um, that's high praise. I give this movie um, five bags of popcorn because, the, you know, the, the kids love popcorn, and that's how I'm going to win their praise ah. is with some, <laughs> uh, some freshly popped popcorn some right off the kernel. Some pop? Sure. Yeah, I uh, use my laser vision to pop. And also a little fishbowl for Minion to be in. Because I, I think I, I love Minion in this movie. David Cross <laughs> is so funny. Um, so that's going to do it for Megamind. Um, this is a great choice, uh, Joey, by the way. Thank you. Um, so what's next on Affable Chat? Let me tell you. Um, so we're getting close to the end of October. As we record, it's October 25th. October being one of the longest months of the year has 31 days. Uh, so Thursday will be the last day of sober October. And on Friday, I'm going to be joined uh, by Vikram Melchizedek and Corey Novotny, two people who have already been on the podcast. And we're going to celebrate, we're going to toast to the end of sober October uh, with a few brews and a podcast where we're going to talk about it and honestly, probably talk about other stuff as well. Um, so that's what's coming up next on Affable Chat. So look forward to that. I know I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and don't forget that you can call us up. We do have a phone number. You call us toll free 833-600-CHAT. Yes, that's 833-600-2428. Call us anytime. That's right. You can leave us a message, uh, give us feedback on an episode, request a movie you want to hear us talk about. If you call us, we'll play it on the air. That's right. We've played all of them. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We are on Spotify. I've actually noticed uh, quite a bit of uh, like good bit of our audience is on Spotify. So, um, you know, shout out to Spotify, yeah, Sp shout out Spotify listeners. Yes. And wherever you get our podcast, uh, leave us a review. It really helps us grow. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at affable chat. That's our handle at affable chat or send us an email affable chat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel. Check it out. It's also called affable chat that's right and um yeah so that's gonna do it for this episode once again joey great choice i'm so i'm so happy you returned to this dreamworks classic uh, but for affable chat i'm benjamin and i'm joey thanks for listening thanks for listening to affable chat 
We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.